Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome, welcome, Solar Warrior. Thanks for lending me your ears and the only non-renewable resource you've got, that is your time. I promise I will take good care of it and help you get a return on that investment. Mr. Zvi Alon is the CEO and chairman of Tygo Energy Incorporated. He is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur and investor with more than a 30-year track record as an executive and advisor to various venture capital groups in high-tech, clean-tech, real estate. He has also served as chairman and founder of many successful companies, two of which IPO'd in the public markets. Zvi is also joined on today's episode by my good friend and chief growth officer of Tygo Energy, Jing Tian. Now, whether you're a longtime listener or not, it's possible that you haven't listened to Jing's episode. It was all the way back in episode 41. That's right, episode 41. I've known Jing for a long time. She's a true energy executive pioneer in the Valley, and her story is superb. When I noticed that she had taken the job as chief growth officer at Tygo, I knew that I had to hear more about what is happening with this company. And I've long, long wanted to interview Zvi as well. You get the pleasure and fun of coming along with me on that ride where I get to ask a whole lot of questions of Zvi, who rarely joins podcasts, certainly now and even in the past. But he's one of those eternally optimistic souls who truly is a visionary and has seen so many twists and turns as the internet and as the energy sector have evolved over the last 30 plus years. If you like what you're hearing here and stick around to hear the rest of the conversation, I do hope you'll subscribe to the shows. That's going to ensure that you won't miss out on any of our twice weekly content just like this. And of course, you can always check out the more than 430 additional founder stories and startup advice over at mysuncast.com. And when you've listened all the way through, if you would do me one more favor, I would really appreciate it. If you like the show, I would love if you'd go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and leave me your five-star rating and enthusiastic review so that others can, as they explore the podcast space, can come across the show the same way that you did once upon a time, and they can learn and grow in their own clean energy journey the same way you are right now. For now, though, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, on Suncast. As I mentioned today, we are going to look not just at how technology has evolved in the solar and power conditioning industry writ large, but we're going to talk about how to identify and ride the wave of technological innovation. Many today are talking about Web 3.0, but as today's guest points out, there was a Web 2.0 and even a Web 1 and a Web 0 Identifying those waves and riding them is part of the lucky, smart, well-positioned, fortuitous journey 
that today's guest has been on. I'm happy to invite Zvi Alon, founder and CEO of Tygo Energy to Suncast. Welcome, Zvi. It's great to finally have you on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me, and I'll try and provide as much color as I can. Thank you. And I know that you will. You've got, I've been told you've got great stories. Hopefully we provide a canvas for you to, to share them. I remember well, and a nod to our mutual friend, Arturo down in Merida, uh, who introduced us back, I want to say like SPI 2018 or 2017 in Las Vegas. And I remember thinking, now this is someone I definitely have to get on my show. And I remember you successfully dodging my advances for three and a half years while you ran uh, your successful businesses. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity uh, to get to tell a bit of your story today. Uh, Zvi, I mentioned that we can often think back with hindsight being 2020 about the arc of our career and, and paint a different sort of view of what it looked like than when it was actually happening. Part of what we try to explore on Suncast is how you made the decisions and the, the key pivot points in your career that led to whatever it is that's the idea you're pursuing today and why you're spending your time and energy on that idea. And the, in this case, that that muse, that product, that that opportunity is Tygo. We'll, we'll definitely get into that and we'll bring in the voice of a dear friend, Jing Tian, when we have the opportunity there later in the interview. Uh, but for now, I'd love to hear a bit about your uh, upbringing. You were raised, you were born and raised in Israel. Is that right? Yes, I was born and raised in Israel educated in Israel, went to do the compulsory service like pretty much everyone else uh, in Israel. And um, from an education perspective, I focused really on the technology side of the business. So I'm a doubly, basically, by education. Okay? So during my career, career what you'll find uh, interesting is that I've always been looking for the pioneering position, like what is advancing the world and whatnot. So as an example, I decided I'm going to come here to the U.S. mainly because the U.S. is very successful in deploying technology. But in Israel, we have some fairly advanced technology which couldn't make it to the market. And I was trying to figure out what's the secret? What's the secret sauce? So I uh, came to the U.S., applied for several jobs, one of which was uh, Intel. I was lucky or, or smart. I received several offers within two, three days and I opted to join Intel at a fairly out-of-the-box type technology for me. And my friend at the time who used to work there said, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it so hard on yourself? You know, you might as well stick to where you are. And I said, no, because that's really like the forefront. And the first project we worked on, you are too young to know, was the microprocessor, the AT, which really changed the whole world of the PC processor was called 8286. And not only that, I was honored to be given the opportunity to work on the micro, the core processing component. So it was my first microprocessor, my first semiconductor, my first core. I mean, it was huge. And at the time, we even pushed technology to the point where we didn't even build prototypes. We went straight to the chip. So I was really lucky in my career to figure out a way to somehow be in the forefront. My next project was in the integration of uh, a microprocessor in communication and graphics, which today is like everyone is doing it. It, it just it is what it is. Nobody is even questioning. So if I look forward 
fast forward to Taigu because I want to tie it to, you, to where we are today, is um, I started several companies in that uh, process, one of which was NetManage. NetManage was the pioneer, co- pioneer company in bringing essentially all the TCP IP applications, which nobody talks about it today. This is like given. It's like speaking English. You know, it's like the language. So we were the first one in the market. We built the company. We grew very fast. We went public. This was NetManage, right? Yes. We went public in less than three years. For myself, the next step was to look at various opportunities to grow from there. And so I mixed the, the um, idea of becoming an outside investor on one hand, as well as uh, continuing to push those companies forward and still being engaged in the industry. So we then built NetVision, which is the largest internet supplier in Israel. The largest what supplier, sorry? Internet service supplier. Okay, NetVision. NetVision, right. So I was the one who started it. But the interesting part, it's the people that you know and friends and family and whatnot. So one of the individuals is uh, Mike Splinter, who was the chairman of Applied Materials at the time. And they entered the solar space. So we used to sit down and talk about, you know, the evolution, where is it going, what's needed, how can we actually compete with, you know, the oil-based stuff and whatnot. And we spent a lot of time talking about those kinds of things and using various examples. To the point where I built in uh, 2007 a new house here in Los Altos Hills. And you'll probably think I'm crazy, which I am. I installed 35 kilowatts on my roof which I will never, ever recover. Never, ever. Okay? So, but I was so fascinated. So it wasn't an issue of return on investment. I was fascinated with that idea. You said this was 2006? 2006, 2007, yes. Goodness gracious. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for context, in 2006, I installed a 35 kilowatt system for for, for the largest uh, independent newspaper down in Monterey, right? A, A commercial building, and you're doing it on your home. That's it. Yeah. Anyhow, so lo and behold, through the community, Ron Hadar, who was the founder of Taigo, and uh, Sam Arditi heard about it. And Ron got in touch with me and wanted to come and see it. I said, sure, come over. So he was very secretive about what is it he wants to do. Uh, you don't know Ron, but he's like that type of a person. But he wanted to suck any information he can from you, which is okay, no problem. I'm very friendly. I'm not hiding anything. So he told me he's about to start a company, Taigo, and uh, it will be in the solar space. It's a big opportunity, he believes. And we sort of, from time to time during the high holidays or whatever, when we have gatherings, we will get together and we'll see each other. So in one of those times, and I'm, I'm still continuing with my own professional career, making investments and early stage and, and mid stage. So now it's 2012. And... Uh, Ron approaches me and says, and I'm asking, I see him. So I say, um, how is it going, Ron? You know, just what's the update? And he tells me, ah, a tough market. Chinese are coming in, prices are coming down, deliveries are not on time, projects never finish on time. I mean, he just keeps on going on and on and on. And I say, and then he says, uh, would you invest? I told him, you just told me why not. You know, I mean, are, are you crazy, you know? So I told him, listen, here's what we'll do. You let me take a few months. If it works with your schedule, that's fine. Explore the market. Come back and tell you if I believe in the thesis of 
what the company is starting to do, or if any changes need to happen. And if the opportunity still exists, fine. If not, not. That's okay. No problem. So I start the journey of um, six to eight months. I go to Germany. I go to Israel. I go to China. I, I go to a whole bunch of places, including the U.S., and obviously speak to my dear friend, Mark Splinter. And I'm starting to collect information as to what I believe the right trajectory for this market is going to be and where Tygo can fit. So it became very clear to me that the need for MLPE is here to stay forever. This is just part of life. It's like a solar cell is here to stay forever. It might have different types, different sizes, different colors. Okay. And, um, and the idea of having those components available for the different types of applications, so it's like a cookie, cookie cutter. We don't think about it. It's really key. So I came back to the guys. I said, um, okay, here's the proposal. I'm willing to lead the next round. I'll become the chairman. But here's the plan. And I wrote the plan for them. Okay. By the way, we're executing on that plan very well. So that's really going exceptionally well. And um, we obviously agreed. Uh, out of the old investors, two agreed to continue with us. The others did not. And we jumped into moving the company forward on this new trajectory, or at least what I believed was happening is the company was moving in the new trajectory. And this happens many times. About seven, eight, nine months into that process, I'm realizing that it's not quite working. And so I uh, am having an open, honest discussion with the two principals, and they, they're honest. They say, look, we don't believe in it. Don't, they don't believe in, in the plan that you laid out? Exactly. And nobody was standing in line to give you money. So, you know, okay. So hence, uh, about a year after the investment I made, I, after consultation with my wife and family and whatnot, because it's a different lifestyle, as you probably know, the CEO is not an investor or anything else. So I decided I'm jumping in, I'm going to take over as the CEO. And the rest is sort of history. I can take you through the history of Tygo, but that's what brought me here. That's so, so, so I didn't know that you weren't the original founder that's, um, or co-founder that's, that's phenomenal. But in many ways, the story that you've just shared is, you know, it's very similar to one that folks will recognize. And that's one of like the founder of Tesla, Elon Musk, right? Uh, I mean, in, in very meaningful ways, what Tesla, what Elon did for Tesla, you did for, for Tyga. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, I know him. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I bet he calls on you and, and, and asks for your, for you to lead the next round. <laughs> uh, no, not right now. Not know. this time. Not this time. Yeah. But, uh, uh, his uh, second president at Tesla uh, was, uh, still is a very good friend of mine, which I recommended. And they actually worked very well together to put Tesla on track. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Zvi, you've had a storied history in the, in the Valley yeah. and, uh, and it's remarkable to say the least, what, uh, you know, in a time when your peers, we can go through the laundry list, Eric Westhoff sure did, were falling like flies, right? Yeah. In many ways, in many ways, like you think about companies like SolarBridge, that it was, a, it was, oh, in, it was in theory, a great company that had an exit. Well, I'm, anyone not watching can't see my quote, my air quotes, but had an exit to SunPower. Those stories are are, 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 you know, so common in our industry where like, you know, module level power electronics, um, is a hard game. 
It's a really it's a very, difficult... very hard game. Yeah. Let me tell you, people don't realize, uh, and even technical people, you know, what's the big deal? But when you try and build a device that you're supposed to give warranty for 25, 30 years, that resides in very harsh environments, very harsh environments, and you don't want to see it, you don't want to have anyone call you because the first time someone calls you, you will be losing money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's a very hard task. Hmm. And we have been shipping millions of units very successfully, not to say we don't have issues here and there from time to time. We do, like any other company. Yeah. But obviously we are addressing it as quickly as we can up front, uh, making sure that from a support perspective, we really don't leave customers behind. Who, in retrospect, worried you that you shouldn't have worried about? As an entrepreneur, like, who did you think was going to be a competitor and that you kind of were looking over your shoulder at them that, in, in retrospect, it was the, that you had nothing to worry about? I'll tell you that it's the two same guys which are today the traditional, but in a different way. So let me explain. I realized and figured out that Enphase has an awesome strategy. And just remember at the time, Enphase didn't do very well. They were losing money left and right. They were trying to actually diversify themselves in so many different directions and couldn't get their act together. But I did believe that there is a big market for that. And naturally, the next step from this market would be to come up with a more traditional solution. So you cover the spectrum all the way from the very low end to the mid-size, high-size residential. And you really cover this space. So you don't need to go to the CNI, you don't need to go to utilities. It's a huge market, huge market. And you can master it and bring all kinds of values. So I was, in a way, surprised that they have not yet, and maybe they see something different, but I was expecting that they will come up with uh, a solution that supports that concept. Okay. Fast forward, SMA was trying and failed for other reasons. Uh, and we can get into that. So SMA was not successful in executing a strategy like that. So they did bring a microinverter to the market. They had to pull it out of the market very soon because it wasn't really the right product at the right time. Okay. Now, the second part of it was SolarEdge. SolarEdge architecture is competing very well with the Enphase architecture for systems which are up to, I don't know, 10, 15 kilowatts, very nicely, no problem, okay? As soon as you go above it, they have to have duos or even quadruple type of optimizers in one package to be cost competitive. It's becoming a bit more cumbersome. And I couldn't figure out why they're very smart guys. Why are they not coming up with a string solution for the CNI? And so they'll be able to actually leverage the two sides. And they still didn't. When you say string solution, can you help for those who might not understand the architecture? Yes. So a string solution is essentially a solution that uh, includes connecting serially multiple panels, multiple MLPs in series, and you connect it to a single inverter. So that's a string. Okay? So you create essentially strings in parallel, and you connect them to an inverter, basically. And in larger systems, you'd connect them to a junction box and then run more combined wires to an inverter. Yeah, in, in the smaller systems with microinverters, you bring the AC to the, de- the device, 
and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, you just it bring it directly to the to the connector, the main panel exactly. of the home. Yeah, like solar bridge that you mentioned earlier. But you know, time will tell. Who knows? Well, there's still time. There's still time for everyone to make some changes. Yeah, I, w- I want to get into the SMA vis-a-vis the relationship you have now. But before I do that, so I knew you. I, I had a sense that you'd probably bring up Enphase and and Solar. Edge, they're the two sort of 800 pound gorillas in the marketplace now from LPE, at least in the United States. And they have a huge global share. They're, you know, uh, Wall Street darlings uh, as far as our industry is concerned. When you think about the last 10 years, where did, uh, so that that question was more, what surprised you that uh, about things that you did expect, right? Like you were surprised about things you anticipated that Enphase and Solar Bridge would do and, and that they didn't. But where did innovation come from that you didn't expect? I wouldn't say that here and there, there are bits and pieces of features, functions that do represent an interesting, oh, how come we didn't think about it? But none of them is a kind that we cannot address if it's really required in a fairly quick, short period of time, basically. So I would say, I would say that there wasn't much innovation that surprised us with someone trying to compete with us on uh, an MLP level and they bring in that mucho feature that is a killer, you know. That didn't happen. What I can tell you, you mentioned SMA, what um, a major disappointment was is uh, SMA from a perspective of everything was placed on, on a gold and silver platter for them and they just couldn't execute. You mean in terms of them owning the marketplace, having access to the technology and not changing, not being able to pivot their mindset to the new way that the world was running? Yeah, exactly. So here, here SMA is in the market competing with uh, Enphase and SolarEdge and their first foray into that space after they realized that for them to say they have a better solution and you don't need anything and this and that. So they come up with a microinverter solution. So they invest in, in the space and um, they bring the product to the market. It's too small, too late, too spectrum, everything you just want to. And obviously, so they've learned something from the experience, I think. Following that experience, they've entered into a strategic relationship with us. So now we bring them a solution which is superior to, to SolarEdge, but which they know, they understand, no problem. And now here is the dilemma from a corporate perspective. I, SMA, am going outside and explaining you for years why you don't need MLPE. You just don't need it. It's a hoax. Don't believe SolarEdge. Don't believe anyone. You just don't need it. Suddenly, someone strategically in the corporation is saying, oh, here we have the best MLPE connected with our inverter. It's a good solution. Go train all those 500 people to change their religion. Impossible. What led to the decision for you to integrate as deeply with SMA as you have? And maybe you can explain the transaction to the extent that you're um, that you're willing to of the partnership with SMA and kind of what what the business prior to that looked like and how that gave you an I'll say an advantage to continue moving the business plan forward. Okay, so with no dispute at the time. SMA was still number one, number two, one of the top suppliers when we entered into those relationships. There were still 
higher, maybe three, I don't know, but really on the top. We were not as rich with cash, so we could execute limited programs, and we didn't have a wide distribution channel like SMA. So that appears to be a match made in heaven. So SMA has a strategic problem. They are really trying to penetrate that residential farther from where they are to uh, kick um, uh, solar edge and, and end phase in wherever, and they will use our product. In return, we gave them exclusive rights for three years, and they made an investment in the company. So all in all, it was a very positive beginning. And to demonstrate how easy can it be done, we invested heavily in integration of our own technology into the SMA model so that out-of-the-box experience would be very easy. And we fixed it. Everything was fine. We were the ones to introduce the mobile application to install an SMA and optimizers out of the box. We were the ones, anyhow, to do... Mobile commissioning and all of those things, right? Yes, exactly. So that really worked very well. What didn't work very well is the culture. <laughs> Go figure. We just couldn't change the, the notebook. Yeah. The playbook. Playbook. Yeah. Well, what's an example of, of, of that? Like a, a, an example of how SMA wanted to run one play and you wanted to run another. Okay. So let me give you an example. We being a small company um, and we have that exclusive relationship with SMA for a certain specific product. We get wind that there is a very large project in Taiwan, which we can win and take away from SolarEdge like an 11, 12 megawatts. That's not small, it's big. So I'm having our guys summarize it. And by the book, I go talk to the SMA folks and trying to make sure that they are allocated the proper resources and whatnot. Now, the relationship, working relationship in, in Taiwan is they work with a distributor. So even though they have a person that can just jump over from China and help close the deal, they, they really try and do it through a distribution because that's the way they are set. And we are telling them, look, you guys are going to lose it because the distribution is not really educated, trained. They don't know how to sell it. Definitely, they don't know how to sell against storage and it's not going to work. Okay, fast forward a couple of months, we, lo- we lose the deal. And I am furious. I hate losing I can't imagine. (laughs) So I obviously write to the proper executives at SMA, explaining my frustration and saying that, you know, I cannot promise anything, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that we win it back. Now, we don't have an inverter, so we have to win it back with an SMA. So they don't lose. They get upset with me because we have an exclusive relationship. I cannot sell it. So they don't focus on trying to win. They're focusing on what's the book. Okay. You can probably appreciate we did win the project. We did win the project. Yes. And um, we won several other projects since then. And we did bring it to SMA. And through the distributor, they did get whatever credits they needed to. But this is just as an example where those relationships sometimes, you really need to get aligned with your partners at the most granular level in, in, in the gut. Zvi, speaking of gut, I know that you operate as an EE 
and as a deep technologist from data, but I also sense that there's a certain element of intuition to the work. And, you know, those of us been in the industry for a long time have seen that storage is a natural addition, a natural product, a natural expansion of the product line uh, up in Petaluma. They've been building and testing and tinkering for five years on a fabled product that only recently really fully deployed. Um, these things take time. I was, I say pleasantly and completely surprised this year when you all announced the the storage product. And I'd love to hear a bit background from you on how along the path you saw storage integrating. At what point was it originally a part of the whole original plan? And how did you think about as the CEO and chief investor bringing storage along the curve as a fast follower, as an innovator? How did you capture that in the business plan? So the idea of um, energy intelligence and distributed grid generation, power generation, has been a light, a guiding light in my brain from many years ago. So as I was thinking about what is solar and what is the alternative energy and all this stuff. So Everyone goes to the low, lowest common denominator. You know, it needs to be less than oil. Okay, you reached it. What can you do with it? Why is it better? Why is it, you know, it, it must have other attributes, which would not. And so, and that kept on driving me all the time, all the time. And um, fortunately, us being in the MLPE space, where by definition, we have to work with every inverter, with every panel, we, have, we get to see the pluses and minuses of all those things. And we learn from the experience of how to do it right, quote, unquote. And I wasn't trying to pretend that we have all the knowledge in the world. So I was also lucky enough that after many years of pounding on Jing's brain, she opted to join us. And the end result was obviously a very, very, very astute set of solutions that I'm happy to let Jing take over and share more of that. So there was a time, and it's a few years back, and we have experimented with various uh, solutions and partners, and it became apparent to me that two things would need to be secure to be able to successfully play strong in that space. One, the strength of the solution itself. That's number one. And the differences between the different solutions are sometimes so minute, but not having it is a major disadvantage. Okay? So that was one. The second one is being able to globally support an initiative, not just regionally. Because I figured the longer-term survivors in that space will be the guys who actually can do a global solution as opposed to a local, you know. We can have easily a California solution and that's it. And it will be very nice and, you know, but you're going to be pigeonholed into that. Hey, you know, it's becoming commonplace to hear that energy storage is the key to deploying renewals at scale. But if you've tried to put storage on a commercial solar project ever, then you realize it's easier said than done until now. Look, I've seen many energy storage solutions for commercial buildings as a solar project developer in my 15 years in the industry, but Yada Energy's storage product just scratches that developer itch of fit, function, and ease to install. 
Yada's PV-coupled ecosystem of Solar Plus storage solutions integrates seamlessly right behind the solar panel. In fact, it elegantly replaces the need for a ballast as it nests right into the racking on a flat roof install. Even better, Yada's integrated storage technology can enable up to 60% more solar to be employed on commercial buildings. With commercial buildings consuming 35% of electricity, that means that Yada is finally helping business owners and solar installers alike make a serious dent in the commercial sector's massive carbon emissions. Yada Energy is poised to meet the growing demands of electrification by maximizing solar plus storage without taking up additional valuable commercial real estate for your customers. To find out how Yada Energy can bring storage to your CNI rooftop project, visit mysuncast.com forward slash Yada. That's Y-O-T-T-A. Yada Energy, an elegant and revolutionary approach to solar plus storage. Are you in the Massachusetts solar market? Well, if you are, I have an exclusive partnership opportunity I'd like to talk with you about related to the Massachusetts Smart Energy Program. Please feel free to email me, nico at mysuncast.com, if the following applies. We're looking for folks with system sizes between 5 kilowatts and 500 kilowatts in the Eversource and National Grid service areas. We can help convert disqualified leads and turn them into revenue. We're looking for turnkey EPC services and success fees can be paid at agreed upon milestones. We'll help you convert unqualified solar leads and turn them into revenue. No credit or utility bill required and we can work on all kinds of different properties. Small commercial, rental property, places of worship, schools, multifamily condos, strip malls. Yeah, all of those places that you have heretofore been unable to put solar because they're unqualified or even residential leads that have DQ'd. Maybe you're a lead gen provider or know someone all of these types of projects we'd love to help you with. And we can give you more information if you want to reach out to me at nico at mysuncast.com and mention Massachusetts Smart Energy Program in the subject line. For longtime Suncast listeners, I'm going to bring in a voice that you'll be familiar with because not only did we interview her and cover in detail how she and I work together at Trina Solar, but she's been a collaborator in, in other ways uh, throughout the last few years as uh, as she has served the solar industry in, in different capacities. Jing, you've categorically had an opportunity to look at technology and at how investors think about technology in our sector for a couple of decades now. And I was honestly surprised until I reflected back on our relationship and, and, and partnerships at Trina. I was surprised when I saw you head over to Tygo to become the grow, chief growth officer. Can you tell me when was it that you first learned about Tygo and met Zvi? And, and what do you remember from those days at Trina that left, a, I'll say, a impress, an impression on you about Tygo and the, and the company or culture? How, what, what do you remember about those days that inspired you? Oh, yeah. That goes back to 2013. I think, Nico, if you remember, we were working on the Trina smart modules. And that was our first trying to integrate the Tiger optimizer into our module. You may recall that I sold the first Trina smart project in North America. Yeah. So we still have like a system at the, was it JCC? JCC, in that's right. Yes. Z, Z must yeah. be proud of that one. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Yeah, that's where I first... Uh, Met, uh, met um, Tygo Energy and SV. I think that was also around the time I joined Trina first. I think that was uh, 
I was told, yeah, you, you know, we're going to have a new product launch. I go, what is the new product? They go, Taigo China Smart. Yeah, I remember first met V. I was uh, a trip to Las Gatos at the Taigo office. I walk into the door. I think if you remember back then, it was a uh, James Bigfoot. He was the yeah, James. Now the <laughs> yeah, now the so head of residential the- storage for Tesla. Correct. So I walk in there, uh, trying to meet with the James Bigfoot. Then James goes here, uh, meet our chairman of uh, Tigo. Uh, so he's also our investor. Uh, so that's where in the hallway of the uh, um, Tigo office, I met us first. We just hit it off. I mean, I think you know he's. It's just a lot of business acumen, intelligent, and the the most is he j- was just so easy to work with, right? So, and over the years, he really become a mentor and a great friend over the years. Yeah. Well, Jing, fast forward nearly a decade, you've had many high level uh, executive positions from Trina Solar and beyond. Worked in inverters and modules. Uh, you yourself are a scientist and uh, have deep marketing expertise. How were you tracking the evolution of storage technology? Some of the conversation I was having there with Zvi and bring me up to sort of current day, your assessment of the storage industry and the siren call to come back to Taiga. The storage industry is being have a very fast growth trajectory, right? So, I mean, PV plus storage, as you see, to increase the value of this and then to really grow the um, distributed energy space, I think one thing is really important about a system, like overall ecosystem, how is it communicated, how to aggregate those systems. I think, uh, you know, capacity, um, adding a capacity in the storage is one thing, but it's really be able to look at the entire ecosystem to the um, distributed energy. So Tiger has the technology. I, mean, I think it would which was a lot of times was undervalued. People think of a Tiger as a module-level power electronics. It's true. But we, we have a built a really strong platform and what we call energy intelligent um, platform. That is the software uh, managing, monitoring um, the system. The adding the storage on top of it and uh, be able to integrate all the system. We have the entire module level visibility, but then we have entire system level. And I think that's what really differentiated um, us and Tygo, as well as also provide a um, springboard, a platform going to a much bigger uh, ecosystem player in the PV plus storage space. What compelled you when Zvi reached out and said, help me, help me bring this storage product to life? Help me bring it out to market? I think it's really Tiger's at this uh, position, a place of what we call this uh, different phase of the growth, right? So we've uh, built a pretty strong position in the flex module level power electronics. I think, uh, you know, we are small, but we're a global company and we have uh, all the elements for the growth. I think it's really, if you will, you know, we have all the foundations ready to go to the next phase. That's what very excites to me. I mean, I always like to be on the fast learning projection and also fast growth company and have opportunity to work with this V side by side. I think that was a really great opportunity. I'm so like, Can you help, for those who maybe aren't familiar with the various offerings of storage, how do you differentiate between sort of the way that Tygo is approaching storage to the way maybe Powerwall or 
uh, Enphase um, or even Generac and their PICA system are looking at storage. Is there a fundamental difference that you enunciate to clients? What we really stated is true about the flexibility. I think um, we, we, our, our approach is always open architect. And so in our storage system, what we stay true is the flexibility. So our system can do both a DC couple and the AC couple. Right, so we have modular. Then you can also choose a different type of modular power electronics to work with the system, i.e., optimizer or rubbish shutdown system. And um, that's really we give a customer the flexibility, trying to maximize their value, bring the most value to them. You know, one of the one of the for me the funnest things I even discovered not through you or anyone else. I discovered through our friend Greg that you all were releasing your storage product. I, I often have joked that you guys hired Greg because you needed good PR. Um, but why do you think Greg came back home to sort of the SMA Tygo relationship? He's notably, you know, a, an author on energy storage. He's a senior technical trainer at, who's worked at SMA and Sonnen. What did, what do you see that Greg got excited about with uh, introduce the introduction of a storage product at Tygo after you know being at Sonnen, which has a very compelling you know team and product. Yeah, I think it uses like I don't quote me. I'm quoting Greg now. I mean, I think he's basically excited about our product offering. He, I mean, he sees the things needs to be done which wasn't done in the other company. He said, "Wow, you guys just got a product that's exactly addressing lots of uh, customers' concern that I bring the value." I mean, that's what excites him. Then, what, yeah. What are some of the concerns from his perspective in the field that that Tygo is addressing? I think it's really about the easier for installation, how to make our installs life easy. I mean, you mentioned earlier about you know, in-app commission. I mean, we, uh, you know, we have a, a very easy in-app commissioning, less than 10 minutes inst- uh, commissioning process. It's very easy to install. Um, so that's really, you know, we focus on that and give people design flexibility as well. Jing, you know, I've got a lot of respect for the marketing acumen that you bring to the to the Tygo team and a lot of product launch is actually thinking about the brand positioning. We've talked about your competitor uh, landscape over the course of this conversation in what appears to be a really f- crowded space with Enphase and Generac and you name it, uh, Sonnen, the list goes on. As you're thinking about a product launch, hiring staff, what are the key elements of the message you have your team think about and focus on that for you create compelling arguments or narrative to sway someone towards your brand and away from a competitor's brand? Yeah, I've touched some of the technical aspects of our product, but one of the key thing is the customer journey and the experience. I think we really focus on that. Um, you know, we have a... We have, I would think it's a world-class uh, customer experience team here, uh, led by some of the executives who got decades of experience. So we're really building up that capability. Our product is built to focus on installers. We want to make their life easy. All the supporting teams are unsure, and it's all regional unsure to supporting our installers. 
and I'm sure some of the installer, when, as they experience the installation, they will have definitely different experience from the journey of initial design to final commission and the maintenance. Do you all see that the industry will continue for some time to be very installer focused in a world where we see brand recognition uh, as a strategy for companies like Enphase and Tesla? They're going after consumers for that pull demand in the marketplace. Do, do you see that as something that is continually challenging the way you market uh, the product? I think it's really to do where we put a focus on, right? So because so, it's a slightly different uh, how people approach the market. I mean, for us, is we do believe our focus is for installer. Our product is designed for them. I don't know if you had a chance to look at our EI um, platform. And we build a lot of capabilities for fleet management and to really ease their ongoing OEM. Um, I think that's the difference and the differentiation we're bringing. You said earlier two things would be needed to really play a strong role before you could really bring storage to the market. The first, first is the strength of the solution itself, going to take at face value um, and not go too deep into the storage architecture. Other There will be other podcasts for that, uh, that you've got a solid storage solution. The second is the ability to globally support the rollout of the product. My recollection is that you don't have a massively huge team, yet you've got a great global presence as a company. How did you build that? Outstanding question. So we actually concentrated on building a unique go-to-market strategy in which partners are not the enemy, distributors are not the enemy, and then we get into the large accounts in which we treat the large account regardless if you are in Germany or in Australia, it's a large account, okay? So that seems to be working fairly well for us. And actually, in our size, compared to solar engine end phase, we keep our margins very nicely, very competitive, very competitive. So I think that that's the key differentiator because it's very hard for you to work with partners in which they can view you as a competitor, right? Or as really a partner. We have, I don't want to mention any names, but we have one of the inverter partners who actually congratulated us for selecting someone else. You know, they will come in the next time and they will be in line and we'll work with them and whatnot, but no hard feeling on the contrary. They sign up for the concept. And in the case, it's, I can tell you, you know, Jing mentioned open systems and whatnot. I, I don't want to poo-poo our competition. It's not right. There are very good companies going very nicely, helping us build the market and whatnot. But when you come up with all components must be solar edge, it's very predatory. You have to. You have no choice. Okay? When you come out with a solution that all components must have end phase, again, it's very predatory. It's, you have no choice. So we, on the other hand, we can work with an end phase installation, by the way. The reverse, being an AC solution too. So just to give you an idea, so it's, it's, a, it's the philosophical aspect behind it which really makes the big difference. And by the way... Not only is it not easy to do with the partners and the distributors and the others, but it's also not easy to do with um, your own employees. Pretty much like the case of SMA, they're all trained, you know. We have the best solution. You don't need NLP, you know. So it's the same here. They're not competitors. They're partners. Yeah. 
That's a pretty important philosophical difference. Yeah. As an example, we had a situation in which one distributor was notified by one of the major suppliers that they will be moving out of a certain specific market segment. So they approached us to recommend who should they work with, and we were involved in that whole process for them to do the selection. Just imagine, unheard of, right? That's a great example. So it's, it's a perfect example of how that philosophy really generates different results. Yeah. As we think about what the future of this technology holds, there's a lot of hypothesizing around the power of the consumer, prosumer technologies that enable not just home automations, but, you know, but reverse power markets for consumer-led and even like microgrid type technology. Uh, Jing, where does Tygo sit on the the DER and transactive energy spectrum? How do you see that market playing out in the near term and then maybe sort of a longer term reality that, we're, that we might eventually get to? Yeah, I think, you know, the DER is a way to go. Um, but, you know, Tygo, we, what we see is really we build a, the software platform to enabling that, all right? So our system today, we have a great remote access. We are not DER ready, but I think the the platform in the future really will be enabling that. Uh, yeah. Zvi, do you think there will be true transactive energy markets where you yes. can sell to your neighbor? And, and how far off is that? I think it's probably five, six years out. But um, yes, it is happening. It's going to happen. No question about it. Is it something where uh, the things that we currently are, you know, sort of imagine like blockchain is just hype and there are other solutions that will manage those types of transactions or will, you know, will these new technologies around uh, the... Uh, immutability of blockchain play a role? The blockchain is the payment method. So I'm not so focused on the payment method. Uh, we let that world, you know, solve it itself. Where, where, where is it going to end up being? But the idea of you invested in an asset that whether you were visionary, whether you were more particular, whether you were more smart, whatever, and your asset generates more than what you need, then it's a very easy conclusion to enter into a commercial relationship with someone. And if you make it easy, why not? Right. Uh, What's limiting that market today? I think a lot has to do with, um, there is a trust issue that what I sell you is what you get, what, you know, how much and all that stuff. Uh, is it certified by someone, you know, that is like, who is that body? You know, those kinds of things which are driving it. It's not, it's not a technology from a standpoint of being able to measure and turn on and off a switch. That's the easy part. That's the easy part. Zvi, tell me something that's true for you that perhaps few, very few people would agree with you on. I would say that there is no doubt in my mind that there are, climate changes, that there are severe impact on the world regardless of, just because the number of people we are here and what we do and this and that, so, and we have some impact. Okay. Well, I believe, and I don't have a proof, you asked me something which, okay, so don't ask me about numbers, but I believe that some of the zealots who are trying to drive that idea so hard forward 
are doing more harm to the concept as opposed to not. Because the world is convinced that something is going on. But now you try and attach every single element and, and measure, not measure this, that. It becomes too much. So this is my view. Okay. Now, I'm not standing on barricades and trying to, you know, rah, rah, the world, go in a different direction. But it's like many other things. I mean, you know, you have to do it in the right quantity. You have to do it in the right um, atmosphere. You have to do it with the right state of mind so people not just accept, but also react positive. You know, accepting the idea, fine, but then, you know, going out and throwing all those uh, plastic bottles everywhere. It's like, you know, what did we do? Anyhow, have you, have you. Any advice that you routinely pass along as an investor to the founders or executives? I'm thinking, you know, as you're sitting in that, perhaps that first meeting, the round is closed, it's time for them to get to work. You see that they're, maybe there's some fear and trepidation, but there's a lot of courage and, 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 and eagerness at a time in our industry where more money has been raised than ever for, for our sector. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there listening who would benefit from the advice that you would give them if you had invested in their company. I would say almost regardless of the market segment and whatnot, and regardless of the uh, maturity of the company, as the entrepreneur, as the number one, Every morning, put in your dancing shoes and go dance. Every morning. Because if you want to be depressed from all the stuff you did finish yesterday and all the stuff you have tomorrow, forget it. Every day. Mm -hmm. Face every day with a renewed sense of energy and confidence. Yeah. And it goes along what I said before. So you put your dancing shoes. You know you have seven tasks. You can do only two. Okay, so you select the the most important one. But you know, this one will get done. And now you're happy that you finished it. And you have more time, you do the second one. That's okay. Zvi, we always end with what I call a bold prediction. What one thing do you see happening in the market that maybe nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball for the coming decade of energy? I think it will be positive, but I don't know. But I think that there are more battery technologies that have not been yet exploited and that I think that they would allow for a much further diversification and growth in the market. Zvi, it's really an honor to have gotten a chance to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the little amount I was able to contribute. It was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks again to you as well, Jing, for joining us and complimenting the many fun stories and the the vision and architecture that is Tygo with uh, how you are integrating into it. Yeah, no, thanks, Nico, for the opportunity. It's really always fun to be on the Suncast. So I really enjoy the conversation. Thanks. All right, Solar Warriors. Well, that is a wrap on our conversation with Zvi and Jing. I am so grateful for the two of them spending time with us. I would encourage you to go check out the blog where we've got show notes and links to some of the questions that I didn't get a chance to ask in the interview. And Zvi was kind enough to respond for me. And and that's covered on the blog post over at mysuncast.com, including his book recommendations, which is something that we always like to get into. 
So if you are eager to keep learning, well, I encourage you, my fellow Philomath, to head on over to mysuncast.com where you'll find the resources and highlights from this and every other discussion that we've had in the Suncast catalog, along with the social media links for today's guests, book recommendations, and more about their story. Since I know you're going to be online, I'd love it if you would take a moment to share this episode with someone on LinkedIn that you think would like to hear more about it. You can do so by either sharing directly the URL or by finding my post and tagging that person in the comments. It really helps us when you leave a comment and, and, and you engage with a like or a love or a support I wish LinkedIn would come up with different uh, ways of engagement, but those that are there like insightful would be helpful to us here as we build our, continue to build our messaging community on LinkedIn as well. Who do you think would resonate with this story and needs to hear it today? Thanks once again to our sponsors for helping make this content free to you. You can learn more about how you could partner with thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions just like yourself twice a week at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.